Welcome to Healthy Public, a podcast exploring the social, economic, and political forces that lift and sink the health of people, communities, and populations. In the era of personal health, let's get public. November has been dubbed Men's Health Month. I don't know by who, really, but for me, it brings to mind this flurry of facial hair and Facebook posts and branded t-shirts, all encouraging us to talk about prostate cancer, testicular cancer, and men's mental health. I guess we can all tie it back to Movember. It's an organization, but it's also a social movement, and it's commanded our conversations and our cash flow, raising almost $17 million in Canada since 2007, and over $80 million worldwide. That's all in Canadian dollars, by the way. But for me, whenever November comes around and I have my public health hat on, I wonder why are prostate cancer, testicular cancer, and men's mental health the priorities? You know, what makes them men's health issues? They're at the top of the pile, but should they really be there? That's what we're getting into today on Healthy Public. Death, the final frontier, in some ways, literally. Today, we're gonna start at the end with the question, what kills men in Canada? It seems relatively simple, but I honestly can't answer it off the top of my head. Cancer, heart attacks, stroke? These all seem like pretty decent answers um, but thankfully, we have access to something better than my vague recollection of television PSAs. Vital statistics. Statistics Canada is the unsung hero of the federal government, in my opinion, because they make some rocking data products, and I actually don't hate the user interface for like pulling information. Anyway, a deep dive into the appropriately named Death Database confirm some of my suspicions and definitely challenge some of my assumptions. So drum roll please. The top five leading causes of death for males in Canada in 2016 were, in fifth place, cerebrovascular diseases or strokes. In fourth place, chronic lower respiratory diseases, which is an ironically long-winded name for emphysema, asthma, that kind of condition. Third place, Accidents. Second place, diseases of the heart, more commonly known as heart disease. Okay, this is probably why people do not like Statistics Canada. And last, but certainly not least, wow, malignant neoplasms, better known as cancer. Over 40,000 men died from cancer in 2016. Uh, that would be like if we just wiped out the population of Charlottetown PEI off the map. That's around 40,000 people. So, a lot, definitely. In second place, we kind of half that at around 20,000 men who died from heart disease. So, if you're kind of familiar with southeastern Ontario at all, uh, feel free to think of the Air Canada Centre filled to the brim, plus a little more. Uh, and that's what 20,000 people looks like. And then we have a pretty sizable decrease after that with the last three clocking in around 7,000 to 5,000 deaths per year, or at least in 2016. Uh, so as expected and actually supported by Movember's agenda, cancer is a big killer for men. 
The biggest even. The bigliest. But which cancers? What are the biggest cancer killers of men? I'll give you a big fat hint. It's not prostate cancer, and it is most definitely not testicular cancer. It's actually lung cancer. That's right, your Mad Men era, sorry Betty Draper, lung cancer. It killed over 11,000 men in 2016 alone. Which makes up for about one in four cancer deaths, if you're keeping track. Grouped together, digestive cancers like colon and pancreatic cancer will kill more men than respiratory cancers, like <gasps> breathing cancers as a group. But as a single standalone site, lung cancer still reigns as our necrotic king. Uh, prostate cancer is at around a third of the deaths we see in uh, lung cancer at around 4,000-ish. And testicular cancer is at, I kid you not, less than 50. Yes, you heard me right, 50, five, zero, over 200 times less the number of men who will die from, who died from loss, uh, from lung cancer. So I'm like, all right, well, why, why, why prostate cancer? Why testicular cancer? What am I not thinking about? Well, the newest Movember slogan, at least on the billboards around where I live, have been sporting the quote, something about stop, they want men to stop dying too young. So I took this to either mean that they're concerned with what kills young men or they're concerned with diseases with lower survival rates. So people are diagnosed and then they don't live very long. Uh, and I guess that could be construed as dying too young. So let's look at that first one. What kills young men? Well, according to our trusty old pal, the death database, uh, we can actually section out cause of death by age, which is pretty cool. Uh, and I chose to look at men under 45 because I thought that seems pretty young. Uh, and the biggest number one killer of men under 45 are accidents, quote unquote, other causes of death and suicide. So I'm going to put a pin in suicide for now because I'm actually going to come back to this in a later uh, episode. Uh, and I'm going to just kind of focus on explaining the top two for now accidents and other. So the other category is basically a catch-all for all the causes that are not listed in the top 50. Trust me when I say it's a weird list. Accidents though. Accidents are actually a really interesting category for, for men in general and for young men in particular. What's even included under the umbrella of a term like accidents? Well, some fairly obvious ones come to mind, like motor vehicle accidents and other forms of transportation accidents. Um, but other important and less obvious causes of death that kind of get lumped in here are falls. Yeah, falls, that's actually a big problem for older men. If you have older parents, grandparents, or you happen to be an older adult, trust me when I say fall prevention is something worth Googling. That's a tangent. And we're here to look at young men. The number one type of accident killing men under 45 is accidental poisoning, comma, exposure to noxious substances. And after searching, after some searching to demensa that title, I came to realize that these are overdoses. I mean, they're not just overdoses, but yeah, they're mostly overdoses. Almost 85% of that category, accidental poisoning, comma, exposure to noxious substances, are attributed to narcotics, hallucinogens, and quote-unquote unspecified drugs. Those men died too young. 
So I was like, okay, well, maybe Movember isn't talking about what kills young men. Maybe they're referencing the idea that they focused on conditions with low survival. That when a man is diagnosed with prostate or testicular cancer, he doesn't have long to live and he died too young. The most commonly used metric to look at this is called five-year survival, which is basically the percentage of people who will live at least five years after being diagnosed with usually cancer. All right, so Canadian Cancer Society, what do you have to say about the five-year survival for these diseases? And to quote their website, in Canada, the five-year net survival for prostate cancer is 95%. This means on average, about 95% of men diagnosed with prostate cancer will survive for at least five years. All right, 95%. I mean, seems high to me, but five years isn't that long. Okay, what about testicular cancer? What does that look like? To quote their website, in Canada, the five-year net survival for testicular cancer is 96%. That means on average about 96, okay, yeah, 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 we get it. It's 17 for lung cancer, 17%. That means on average, over 80% of people diagnosed with lung cancer will not be alive five years after that diagnosis. I hope that feels as heartbreaking for you as it does for me. All this to say that it's not really clear to me how collective priorities around men's health are being set. Death isn't the only way to quantify health priorities, but I think it should weigh in significantly. It's a rather difficult condition to come back from. Lung cancer, overdoses, the things really killing men are tucked away, and I'm here to ask why. Men are a diverse group, and I'm interested to know which are served by our current priorities and which are not. Movember is just an organization at the end of the day. It's our buy-in that makes it a social movement. These priorities are not really a reflection of the data, as we've seen. They're a reflection of who we feel is deserving of our money and attention. Often when I bring up the discrepancy between what men die of and what we call men's health issues, I get a mix of three different counter arguments. The first is that, well, women die of lung cancer and overdoses too, so how can they really be men's health issues? Well, women die of suicide too, and suicide is still a men's health issue because they have a unique experience with suicide. And again, I'm gonna ask that we put a pin in this because I promise I'm coming back to it. I also hate to uh, burst the bubble, but women can die of prostate and testicular cancer, and some men don't have prostates or testicles at all. Pretty much all men have lungs, I think though. This sentiment that men's health has to be tied to ideas of what is anatomically male is exclusionary and harmful to trans men. It reminds them once again that they don't belong and we don't care to make room for them. The next argument I tend to get is that issues like lung cancer and addressing overdoses are, are too hard. And anyway, you know, people who have prostate and testicular cancer aren't to blame for their diseases like people who smoke or use drugs. 
I hope the silence I left there informs how frustrated I feel by these narratives. I actually have had this conversation with someone who was hosting a beer pong Movember fundraiser. You know what's associated with developing prostate cancer? Binge drinking in early adulthood. If you want to moralize who gets to live and who gets to die, I suggest A, do some actual reading on addiction if you're going to use it as ammunition to justify killing people. And B, I would take a long, hard look at your own life and ask if you meet your criteria of who deserves help and who does not. The last argument I get is, who cares? We're not hurting anyone, why can't you just leave us alone? Well, if our money and time are focused on prostate cancer and testicular cancer, it's not focused on the things killing men. Our priorities determine our resources. By buying into these priorities, we are essentially agreeing that we are okay with how many more men die from lung cancer and overdoses. Perhaps because lower income groups are more likely to smoke. Perhaps because addiction still has stigma and stereotypes that saturate our social world. Perhaps because in order to give to Movember, you must first have funds to give. So it's not that you're interested in saving men, it's that you're interested in saving men like you. And this brings me nicely to introducing next week's topic, because next week I want to talk about some of the history of Movember and some of the data around prostate cancer screening. If you want to hint, the book How We Do Harm by Dr. Otis Brawley, who's an oncologist, will feature heavily. Because this idea of, well, we're not hurting anyone, I don't think is necessarily true. This has been our first episode in a four-part series on men's health, and I hope you will stay along for the ride to hear our next episodes. If you have questions or want to contact us, feel free to visit healthypublicpod.com, or you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at healthypublicpod. I want to thank Chris Zabrinsky and Broke for Free for the music. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.